seal on his tongue. His given name was Daniel Allen. He was twenty years old. As a boy, he had never been attracted to the mindless aggression of men. He did not collect toy guns or turn everything he touched into a weapon. He saved birds that had fallen from their nests. He shared. And yet, there he was in Tulane, Texas, test-firing automatics on a narrow gun range with cigarette butts on the floor. On clear May nights, he would sit on motel room floors and polish his thoughts. He would handle the bullets, opening the box and letting them crackle in his hand. He was a human arrow racing toward an inevitability. The TV news showed images of politicians making stump speeches in small-town diners and dusty Midwestern farmhouses. It was an election year, voters and candidates, pundits and money rushing toward a great democratic surge. Primary season was almost over. Partisan conventions loomed. Sitting on his motel room floor, Carter Allen Cash fantasized casting his vote with a bullet. When he was seven, he lived for the swing. He would pump his feet and point his heels toward the sky, yelling, More! More! He was a voracious child, unstoppable, and so alive it made everyone around him seem sickly and still. At night he would lie in a tangled heap on his bed, clothes half on, his brow knit, fists clenched, like a twister that had run out of air. Who was this boy? And how did he become a man in a motel room fondling bullets? What made him ditch his comfortable life and embrace an act of barbarity? I have read the reports. I have watched the footage. But the answer continues to elude me. More than anything, I want to know. I am his father, you see. He is my son. 1. Home Thursday night was pizza night in the Allen household. My last appointment of the day was scheduled for 11 a.m., and at 3 o'clock I would ride the train home to Westport, thumbing through patient charts and returning phone calls. I liked to watch the city recede, the brick buildings of the Bronx falling away on the side of the tracks. Trees sprang up slowly, sunlight bursting forth in triumph, like cheers at the end of a long, oppressive regime. The canyon became a valley. The valley became a field. Riding the train, I felt myself expand, as if I had escaped a fate I thought inevitable. It was odd to me, having grown up in New York City, a child of concrete and asphalt. But over the decades, I had found the right angles and constant siren blare to be crushing. So ten years earlier I had moved my family to Westport, Connecticut, where we became a suburban family with suburban family hopes and dreams. I was a rheumatologist, the chief of rheumatology at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in Manhattan. It was a specialty that most people didn't recognize, concerned, they'd guess, with the watery eyes and phlegmy cough of a bad pollen allergy, But in truth, rheumatology is a subspecialty of internal medicine and pediatrics. The term rheumatology originates from the Greek word rheuma, 
meaning that which flows as a river or stream, and the suffix ology, meaning the study of. Rheumatologists mainly deal with clinical problems involving joints, soft tissues, and allied conditions of connective tissues. We are often the doctor of last resort when patients develop mysterious symptoms involving most of the body's systems, nervous, respiratory, circulatory. The rheumatologist is called to consult when a diagnosis remains elusive. I was a diagnostician by trade, a medical detective, analyzing symptoms and test results, looking for the most pernicious diseases and intangible traumas. After 18 years, I still found the work fascinating and often took it to bed with me, mulling patient histories in the slippery moments before sleep, looking for patterns in the grain. June 16 was a sunny day, not too hot, but with the threat...